Hi. Did you work it out? I worked it out. I I have this terrible thing where every time I wear something that is not completely black, no matter what, yep. I will get food on it. Yep, yep. I mean, you know I'm the same. You know when you came to visit me <laughs> and I had my um, Tide pen with me at all times, constantly having... Um, yep. Yeah, I actually after that I went and ordered like a in, like a four pack of Tide pens, and they have been they've been put to work. <laughs> I don't. How do people do that? Like, okay, how is it that people will go and spend like seven hundred dollars on like a a white T shirt or something, and then it stays white? I don't know, um, but I also feel like wearing white is a rich person thing. Interesting. Oh, because they can afford to keep it clean. To keep it, like, they don't, I don't know. Like, isn't that a thing? To, like, to rich people not Like, even, I don't know, like, even going outside. Just, like, existing. Existing. (laughs) I feel like. But I'm just like, okay, number one, going on the subway. Yeah. White shoes on the subway, what's up with that? And yeah, everyone with their Air Force Ones that are like bright white for, you know, five minutes. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. But isn't that like know. a sign like of it's like um, like having dirty Air Force Ones is like um, I feel like that's the 90s version like in- of like having a broken phone screen. Like it's like a, a sign <laughs> I mean, of class. I don't know if that's true anymore, though. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not young. I'm not young. You're not old. You're in your 20s. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm not young enough to know what's cool. What is cool? I so I was at this concert last night, and like I said, it's been a long time since I've been at a concert, and like I felt like the oldest person in the room. Um, but oh my god, I was the oldest person in the room, and it was (laughs) so weird. It was just like from what everyone was wearing to how they were talking. Oh, interesting. Wait, okay, now I need examples. I mean, well, so like if I literally felt like um what 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 were people wearing? It was like Soho. But like not Soho like it was like the younger people in Soho. So like Nike like collabs and stuff, really bright colors. Oh my god, I saw somebody in a baby fat shirt. Remember baby fat? Oh god. Like it's yeah. coming back, like that 90s like bright Yeah, that 90s blue, thing. Bright pink, bright I don't green. think it's I don't think that's going to last very long. I don't know. Well, it's like Y2K. It's Y2K. That's not right. like quite 90s. Not 90s, yeah. But Y2K. I love that that's I mean, an aesthetic baby now. Fat, <laughs> I guess. I guess. Um, I just like don't. So I don't think. Okay, what I'm actually pretty interested in is the return of um, low rise jeans. Oh, yes. But like, I'm happy about it. Are you not okay. happy about it? No, I'm just interested in it because low-rise jeans um, were a part of the, like, what's it called? Like, heroin, heroin thin. Oh, like, the heroin aesthetic. chic. Heroin chic yeah, aesthetic. That's true. And there's so much more body positivity now mm. that I'm just sort of interested in if they're actually going to become, like, very popular or not 
That's a good question. I'm I'm happy about it because I honestly cannot stand like the really high rise jeans that like go all the way up to like past your belly button. I don't know. It's just like (laughs) the weirdest aesthetic that I just it just feels weird for me. But like I will say this, my enthusiasm for low rise jeans will die the second that whale tail thongs come back. Oh, those are, those are, those were already in. Ugh, but I just, I want, well, I don't feel like what Gen Z they, is. They're built in. They're built into the jeans. <laughs> they're built in. Do you know what I'm talking I about? I know exactly yeah. what you mean. <laughs> um, I feel like that's a very anti-Gen Z aesthetic. And so I really hope that they find a way to not do that. I don't know. That was one thing that you I know, couldn't stand. Just like as a quick side note, I was thinking about what, the next generation is going to think about what what is uncool about Gen Z, and they're a hundred percent going to be making fun of the term aesthetic. Mm, interesting. Wait, but is Gen Z making fun of us for the term aesthetic yet? Um, I think they are like they're more aesthetic. into it than yeah, we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You know, I mean, we've got they're making fun of um, skinny jeans. You know, mm-hmm. chuggy, whatever, whatever, <laughs> all that. Girl boss, live, laugh, love, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, adulting is the new thing to make fun of. How millennials used to say adulting. Well, yeah, but I'm just like, like aesthetic is gonna be interesting. That's that's my call. Check back in in ten years. Okay, okay, ten years. Well, longer than that, probably. Okay, but then tying that back to us being like nerdy tech industry fools like i'm wondering what like because like how we kind of were like we're not i'm not coming to work in a button down i'm gonna wear a hoodie and jeans like what is like the next generation gonna wear to the office well if they even have an office interesting but we're also tech employees like i talked to a business person the other day that was like i don't want to go back to wearing a suit and tie i was like ew yeah you did that you're lame (laughs) yeah i mean someone got razzed online for like or like a recruiter was like oh i rejected somebody because they wore a hoodie to an interview and like they got razzed for it and it's like Mm -hmm. i don't know i just feel like what's the standard gonna be i mean i feel like i feel like it's just gonna spread because it started in tech yeah do you feel like like i don't know if there's going to be like a lot of changes like in tech. Well, hopefully maybe um, it won't just be this like bro-y like schlub aesthetic. How about that? Sure. Like there's, I don't think it will be. I mean, I think especially because like the tech workforce is um, diversifying, you know, Mm -hmm. hopefully we have better looks than like people wearing, I don't know. 2008 Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, or like just those like champion sweats, you know, just like champ. No, like the, I, like I the, know, like but... the 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 loose, ill-fitting like sweatpants, basically. Oh no, those. Yeah. Oh, I do not like those. No, that's like it's it's frat frat aesthetic. We don't want mm-hmm. that. Um. Well, I mean, I think I think like. A lot of I, I think fashion is going to go in an interesting way where it's like it's going to be like the mullet era where it's going to be like because of Zoom, it's going to be like, you know, business up top and then party on the bottom. <laughs> like, oh, that's funny. I mean, I wear sweatpants every day, but I try to wear like a top that looks nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ish. Nice ish. <laughs> I don't try too hard. I don't know. Yeah, but that's like Zoom. We'll see what the 
people going out into the outside world. Ugh, the outside world. Be wearing. Yeah. I don't like the outside world. It's scary. It is scary. It is scary. Um, I don't know, but that's also because we're in the U.S. I think I should go to Berlin or <laughs> Spain or Portugal, maybe. You go to Berlin and, like, you go to work in, like, leather and, like... <laughs> chains and shit <laughs> uh-huh 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 or like leather and chains i don't know lots of piercings yeah oh i need more piercings if i'm gonna live there um, um so we have a lot of really fun stuff to talk about today following up from a recent conversation about like interviewing yes it was the last episode yes oh wow time so just flat circle go go listen to that this should say part two in it so yeah so listen to part one how can you listen to part two without part one people are weird Mm -hmm. okay do you want to do it sure um i'm ramey that's robbie and this is i would never know a podcast Welcome. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Welcome back, friends. Come inside. Sit down. Get comfy. All right. This is interviewing part two. Yes. Where we said we would actually flip it around and talk about the interviewee interviewing the company. Yes. Which Does that make sense? Is my That's favorite what we're about. topic. This is my favorite thing to talk about. Like, it's also something that people so forget just like when they're like studying for interviews they like will say oh and i scribble down two or three questions to ask the company because otherwise it looks bad if i don't ask them questions and it's like yep 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 (laughs) but then they get offers and they're like i don't know what to do should i take it (laughs) yeah yeah i think yeah i mean tip number one we're tech employees we're in demand so Mm -hmm. you should be picky yeah. You should get what you want. Try and get what you want, whatever that is. We also, like, are in this world where, A, like, there are, le- like, there used to be playbooks where, like, all jobs kind of ran similarly. Similarly, not identically. But now, like, every job is so different. Every workplace is so different. Mm-hmm. And That's true. average lifespan of an of employment is shorter. And so, like it's worth putting in the effort to make sure that you're going to be happy at this company so that you don't cut that even shorter than it needs to be mm-hmm. by like being miserable six months in. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I think like for me, you know, the interviewing of the company really starts before you even talk to them. Like, I think, you know, it's cool to be passive and like get a ton of, recruiters interested in you and everything and obviously the way that they reach out to you is really important um one thing that i do is i actually i have a uh, emoji in my linkedin name 
So when I get a message from a recruiter, I know if it's just like an automated message because the emoji will be in the message. Um, oh, that's smart. Versus like if they just like, if I get a heartfelt, not a heartfelt, sorry. Yeah. That was like way, <laughs> way too deep. But like somebody actually is like, hey, I want to talk to you. Um, and they type out a message. But like, so I mean, I think just doing research on the company, you know, obviously you got to take it with a grain of salt when you look at Glassdoor and Blind. Because like yeah. this, you know, the people who are unhappy are going to talk the most. But just you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. Wait to cut in here. Yeah. Um, in terms of before you even start interviewing with the company, I have like three questions that I ask right away. Ooh. Like I have a pre-written LinkedIn message to send back. Hi. Thanks for reaching out. Yada yada yada. Can you please tell me a bit about this, that, and the other? Okay, what are the what are the questions? I'm excited for this. Oh, I mean the questions. I mean I'm not going to give the exact questions, but the questions for me have to do with a compensation, right? Mm-hmm. Important. And tell me the compensa- compensation right away. I don't want to play games with you. Just give me a range at least. Um B um like diversity as a black woman i want to know what you think about diversity if you don't have diversity or inclusion like you know something some kind of question along that line um and then the work so what kind of work will i be doing so those are the three main ones um but yeah i mean it's all you know the categories are really like compensation, whatever is important for you to have in your work environment. For me, it's diversity. Yeah. And then what do you want to gain out of your job? Like, what do you want to be learning? What do you want to be doing? Like your day-to-day actual work to be. I would say those are my three categories of questions that I ask. I love that. And what happens if you don't get a good answer back? I say, thanks so much. I don't think this is a good fit. Good luck. So important to feel empowered to be like, you know what? I'm not going to spend my time talking to you because I need to conserve conserve my energy and my time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I love that. I mean, compensation, first of all, I, I mean, you're in New York. Um, mm-hmm. Starting, they, it got pushed back, but starting in November of this year, all New York-based companies are going to need to list the compensation yeah. range, I believe. Yeah on their job listings. Uh, I think it's super like, look, if somebody's not going to even talk compensation, like they're not going to tell you anything before you start the interview process. Mm -hmm. Don't even bother. Also don't bother. Really don't bother. Okay. I feel like we, okay. I know you're going to do it also, but I just want to stick on that point for a minute because no, why are we working? Yeah. (laughs) We're working to get compensated. Like that's the entire point. Exactly. It's the entire point. Why are you waiting to tell me what the compensation would be? I'm not like, like, I enjoy the work I do. I'm not going to be doing it for a dollar. No. I'm not doing it for free. Like, this is not, but anyway. No, we're not working for for fun. Yeah. We're working to get, this is a capitalist society. I'm I'm going to just drill on that too. Like. I have okay I have a way of doing this and like this is everybody always asks me this in my coaching and everything and I want like if you are interviewing or going to interview get out your pen and paper take notes here 
do not let them turn it back on you. They don't, they're not entitled to know what you're getting paid right now. They're not entitled to anything. Like they are offering you a job. This isn't like, it's, this is not for you to have to just come up with a number when they're the ones who already have decided what they want to pay you. So yeah, when somebody, when a recruiter says to you, like you should ask before a recruiter does like, what is the pay range for this role? Yeah. Verbatim. They should at least have a range. What is the pay range because for this role? Sorry, go ahead. They always say, well, we'll have to see in the, we'll have to see how you do in the interview. And I'm like, but you've got a range. Yeah. You already have a range. Yeah. Like, let me know because I want to know what other people are getting paid in this range. Like, in, you know, so that I'm not, mm-hmm. equality is important. Okay. So then they're going to be like, well, what are you getting paid right now? Mm-hmm. And you can literally just say, I'd prefer not to disclose that. Mm-hmm. And if they ask why, you say, well, I just don't see it being relevant to what you're going to pay me. Mm-hmm. And so, but like before that, like really what I say to them is, I say the exact same thing back to them. If they want to know what my expectations are, I say, well, could you let me know what the pay range is for this role? Mm-hmm. And if they say, well, you know, it's based on blah, blah, blah. But I would really like to know like what your expectations are. Mm-hmm. The way you shut it down thoughtfully, as you say, before I can formulate an expectation for my compensation here, I would have to learn more about the opportunity, what kind of work I would be doing and the company. So it, oh, that's a good one. So what you do is you basically say to them like, I don't like because not all jobs are equal, just like not no. all candidates are equal. So you say, I would need to I don't have that knowledge. At this point, they know more about you than you know about them. They've mm-hmm. researched you. They've seen your resume. They've seen your LinkedIn. They know what they're going to have you doing. They hold all the cards. So you say to them, I don't have enough information to tell you what my expectations are, but I'm sure there's a there's a pay band, a pay range for this. Could you tell me what that range is? before we go yeah. into conversations. I mean, and also it's just true. I would want to get paid more. Like say at a company that doesn't answer my other two, like doesn't fit my other two criteria very well. Yeah. You know, something like that. Like if I just really thought that I was going to have great opportunities at the company that, you know, they really were on point with everything else I care about. I'm not going to have the same or I may not mm-hmm. give it the same salary expectations as a place that's like, yeah, we don't really care about any of that. Like, okay. Yeah. And like, so then give me more money. You and I have talked about side hustles and certain yeah. jobs will actually make it harder or actually prohibit you from doing those side hustles, whether it's mm-hmm. due to time constraints or even like they might not be okay with yeah. you doing having other types of employment on the side. Um, yep. If like I advise a startup in the e-commerce space, if I were to work for an e-com company, I could see them saying we would need you to separate from that agreement. They would have to pay mm-hmm. me more to own my life like that. So again, yeah. it's, it's important to know about the opportunity, know what you're getting yourself into. Um, but don't let them like, I, I mean, look, the smartest hiring managers know this one simple truth. When you underpay an employee, nobody wins. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it's one thing for them to say, like, 
we have a general range. I don't, I can't make any promises. I don't know where you're going to land. Yeah. But like set the expectation because in the software, in technology, in a lot of industries, even there could be a massive like difference. One job could offer you 110, the next job could offer you 210. Another yeah. job could say, hey, we're a Series A company, so we're going to be 15% under market, but you're going to get a ton of equity. Another company could be like, we actually have a ton of cash and we want to throw it at you. I mean, I think also it might be good to just like have a salary expectation to begin with. But put research into it and don't undersell yourself. Oh, yeah. No. Put it at the top. Yeah. Put it at the top. You you think that your like pay band is like 170 to 210? Ask for 210 yeah. and see what happens. Another thing that you can do is honestly, if somebody like, let's say you're getting like X number of dollars at your current job and they really just are being in- incessant and they want to know how much you're making, tell them X plus 30. So if you're making 100, tell them you're making 130 because you want to make 130 at the next one yeah, or something like that. Like, and and I will, I do want to preface like, especially again with companies that are earlier stage, maybe less cash to play with. Like just understand that like, if you do, you need to understand like what the value of the company is, what the value of the equity is, because they might not be able to pay you like top dollar, like a Facebook would. And that's, that's up to you. You need to know if you care about that, if you want to take the risk on the equity. Um, but like, just know that like, sometimes companies don't want to tell you that like what the most that they can pay you is not because they don't want to pay you that but because like if they offer you something from the start then like you try to negotiate because you want to negotiate they're like we don't have any wiggle room i don't know it can be this weird annoying game but again i think in all of this transparency is really key and just like just saying like what can you pay me like yeah what you know uh and i mean yeah just to point out that a lot of people when they move jobs get a pay like get a pay bump yeah some people don't that's um i mean some people don't it depends on why you're moving jobs but totally generally a lot of engineers when they move jobs especially in like like if we take it out of the startup world for a minute Mm -hmm. because i know you live in the startup world but um you like you move from Facebook to Google to get an extra like 50k, 100k, whatever. Yeah. Like that's standard. That's the vibe. That's pretty standard. Yeah. And we are very <laughs> lucky to be in an industry where we can talk about these kinds of numbers, but I think in almost any industry people should know what they're worth. Yeah. And should absolutely. ask for more. Um you get and, more when you ask for it. Um Yeah. I mean going into other industries, I feel like what do I feel like is just, I mean, I feel like generally people should be paid more, but that's a story for another time. Maybe. <laughs> nice. um, um, I want to move to oh, the second, or sorry, go ahead. I want to talk about the other part of compensation, which is equity. Oh yeah. Let's do that now. Yeah. Um, because maybe you can afford to take the pay cut. Maybe you're not taking a pay cut, but you don't need a pay rate. Like, you know, mm-hmm. maybe you're more interested in equity. Maybe you are joining a startup, like, early stages. Um, how do you evaluate the equity, you know? Yeah, I mean, I um, at one point in my career, I took a 45% pay cut to go to a company um, where I would have a massive equity grant because I was the first employee. I was a founding employee. 
um, because I wanted to take that chance. And now I'm sitting on a ton of equity from that company that may or may not pay off. Um, and so I just want to like, go ahead. Were you going to say something? <laughs> I wasn't gonna. I was just like, oh, so you're telling me that that wasn't Amazon? I was waiting for, and now I'm actually wealthy. Uh, If I was that kind of wealthy, uh, you wouldn't be sitting here with me right now. I don't know if that's true. Actually, I would probably no. I definitely would. Yeah, I would definitely still be doing a podcast, (laughs) but I would be like in a much nicer. I would be in a studio, not like in. Ah, yes. (laughs) Sitting here talking to a cheap mic in front of my computer. Fair enough, um, fair enough. Okay, equity. What is equity? Equity is owning a part of the business. Like it's the ability to be, you know, the more successful the business is for you to be more successful. And we're talking strictly on a financial basis. Like um, it's something that keeps you engaged with the company. It gives you a say in how the company operates. Um, it's it's pretty cool. Um, it it turns over this like old pattern where people will bust their butts for a linear wage and mm-hmm. then the company yeah. takes off and because of the work that you did and it's like that's cool the person who owns the company and the investors who own part of it are doing really well and I'm still making the same amount of money every year um, the way that you get equity is in a grant typically that's in options um, what an, uh, what stock options are are essentially just the ability like it's saying that let's say you get a grant of 10,000 options what that means is you have the ability to buy 10,000 shares of stock so they don't just give you the stock um, mm-hmm. because if they did you would have to pay taxes on it because you'd own it so you don't have to pay taxes on options because it's just stock that's set aside with your name on it if you want to buy it um, do you want to quickly explain restricted um, stock? I don't want to go too deep in that, but basically restricted, like RSUs, when a company, like they're essentially the same as just giving you cash because, you know, these are usually companies that are doing better. They might have already IPO'd even, or they just have a lot of money. Um, it costs more to the business to give you RSUs. That means that they're just, when you, as you vest, and I'll go over vesting in a second, as you vest, that you own that equity outright, but every month you have to pay taxes on that equity. And tip- or no, I mean, every whenever or it sorry, vests. whenever it vests, right? Good. Point. I just want to, yeah, I just think it's important to explain the difference so people who are maybe going from big tech to a startup or yeah. something like understand. If you're at big tech, you're getting RSUs. If you're yeah. at a startup, you're likely you're like ninety nine percent likely just to be getting options, yep. um, and that's okay. Um, so the vesting, let's talk about vesting. Um, if you join a company and they just gave you 10,000 shares and then three months later, you're like, mm, I'm going to go somewhere else. Like that's not a very good deal for the company. Cause now you own a chunk of the company without having, you know, put in any work or very little work. Um, so typically the way that it vests is, um, the standard cycle is a four year vesting schedule. Uh, with a one-year cliff. What that means is for the first year that you work there, you don't get any of the equity that is um, set aside for you, that is granted to you. At one year, on your one-year anniversary, you get uh, 25% of that equity is vested to you. So what that means is in the case of options, you now have 
uh, again, I'll go with the example of 10,000 options in a grant. You now have 2,500 options that you own. Again, you own the options, not the stock. That means that Mm -hmm. you can then, uh, when there is an exercise event, you can exercise those options, which means you buy those options. Then every month you get an an extra 148th of your options vested to you uh, until you hit four years. When you hit four years, 100% of those options are vested to you. When you buy options, the way that that works, and this is going to relate back to some of the questions you need to ask, um, when you're granted your stock options, there's a strike price that is set and approved by the board. That strike price is essentially what the value of those options are at the time. This is why joining a very early stage company tends to be a really positive result for uh, for the employee. The reason is that if the company is very early, they don't have a lot of revenue, or if they have no revenue, they're not worth much. If the company is not worth much, that means a share of the company is not worth much. So for example, super early stage companies, it's you're likely to have a strike price that's less than a dollar. So let's say it's 10 cents for argument's sake. You get 10,000 shares at 10 cents. In order to buy them, uh, what is that? That's like $1,000. So you spend $1,000 and you have 10,000 shares. Now, we all know, you know, unit economics, if the company years later um, IPOs and they end up having $20 a share as the stock price, you just made a killing. You just made $1.90 per share if you sell it all. Um, so that's that's basically the way that strike prices work. So when you are interviewing and somebody says, we're going to give you a bunch of equity, 1,000 shares, 10,000 shares, 10 bajillion shares, you want to know what the strike price is for these options. You want to know how much is it going to cost me to buy these from you. Um, you want to know what the what the valuation of the company is. Every time a company raises money, they undergo what's called a 409A. That 409A is when they go to an independent company and get an assessment done of what the company is valued at. Um, and so, yeah, you want to know what the company's valuation is. How much is the company worth? But most importantly, um, I think this is something that has been drilled into my head every time that I am given options from a company, the number of options don't matter. To a degree, it matters. But when you really want to understand the value of those options, what you want to know is not how big your slice of the pie is, but how big the entire pie itself is. So, you know, basically say, okay, great, you're giving me some number of shares. But what is the actual percentage of the company that that represents? Because a certain, you know, one company can offer you 10,000 shares, but they have, you know, million, like tens of millions of outstanding shares. Um, another company can offer you 1,000 shares, but maybe they only have like 5,000 shares um, outstanding. So again, you can own a bigger percentage of the company. Um, that percentage is very valuable piece of information as well. Again, I need to caveat all of this with I am not a financial advisor. Rami and I are not financial professionals. We just are people who like to make money. And so this is our understanding. Whoever, don't sue us. So sue me. No, don't. 
Sue me. That's the opposite of the point that I'm trying to make. I mean, yeah, that's the other side of compensation, but sort of potentially knowing a strike price, knowing what the actual um, like amount of um, stock options would be comes later. Yeah, that's all usually during the offer portion. Um, and one of the reasons is that, like, to be frank, I don't think I've ever had a recruiter who actually understood like a lot about equity. So typically, you know, they're going to tell you how many options you get as part of your offer, but then you need to say like, okay, I want to talk to, again, depending on the size of the company, I want to talk to somebody about this, uh, a small company, you're typically going to be get on the phone with the CEO where they're going to like, not only give you the answer to these questions, but also sell you on like, why they think the equity is going to be worth, you know, $40 a share, $100 a share, whatever. And they'll typically compare the company to other successful companies that are either in the sim- same or similar markets. Um, or, you know, a smaller company or a larger company, sorry, you'll probably talk to some someone in HR who can explain the equity to you. So during the interview process, you'll probably want to ask a bunch of questions about why the business would be successful. And then also... It would be good to know generally what percentage of the company you expect to get. Yeah, I mean, part of the um, the questions about ranges, pay ranges, is like, what's the you know, what is the pay range, but what is the equity range as well? Uh, and certain kind, like AngelList. I don't know if you've ever looked at AngelList. It's like a, a job board, typically for um, startups they'll actually list like you can be expected to get paid in this range and with roughly this percent of the company. Um, And just know that like these are two different levers. So like when you're negotiating, if they're like, we can't give you more cash, but we can give you more equity or I've had like situations where I get two offers, one with more cash and less equity and one with more equity and less cash. And you get to pick what you want to take. Do you have certain expectations in terms of if you're a founding engineer, if you're, you know, seed stage engineer, if you're series A, what do you, what do you around what are you expecting? It's a tough question to answer, to be honest, because everybody has different Every company has different ideas of what their equity is going to be worth. Often the sensitivity around how much they give you is based on um, how much funding they expect they're going to need to raise. Because every time that they raise funding, there's two ways to raise funding. One is debt funding, which is essentially a loan. And the other more common in VC um, is equity, where they just sell equity to an investor. And so the more equity they have available, the more they can sell, the more they can raise. Um, so of course, you know, understanding like how much has a company raised, how often do they think they're going to need to raise, um, will help understand how much equity is available. Typically I would expect anywhere between 0.5 and 2% of the company, depending on a number of, uh, a number of variables there, but like that, that, you know, that's usually about right. And uh, I will stop and just say, like, 
if all of these things are, if you're sitting here furiously taking notes because this is something that could impact you, uh, my advice is get a financial advisor. Get someone that you trust, somebody who's a fiduciary responsibility to give you good advice um, and somebody who can help you understand this. But also like if you're asking these questions of the company and they're not capable of helping you understand the value of this equity, either A, you need to educate yourself a little bit more and or B, the company, like that's a red flag on the company side, you know? So like knowing how to evaluate a company because if you're taking a pay cut or you're not getting a bigger pay cut, how do you know that the company is in a good spot? Mm. How do you trust like you know it comes down to like okay the idea the execution leadership um sort of a lot of that and i mean the idea can be pretty straight forward in a way like do you think it's a good idea or not um like maybe you have an understanding of the market you know something like that but then a lot of it also comes down to leadership and understanding leadership and how they're going to steer the company. I think that's really important. Um, some of the questions that I arm people with when they go in to talk to the leaders of a company they're interviewing with are, um, for example, like you said, like, is this a good idea? Like, why does this need to exist? Right. Mm-hmm. I think one thing to look out for is like, is this a, um, um, an N of one or sorry, or a one of <laughs> N where like, there's a thousand companies that do this and you're just like, Oh yes, I'm going to do that as well. Um, that's what we saw with fast and bolt with the, uh, the one click sign, uh, one click purchase. Like everyone's doing it. It's not hard to do. The question of why does this need to exist is, well, it doesn't, (laughs) especially in the FinTech and like health tech space, that space is so oversaturated that you really have to have a good understanding of, are there other companies doing exactly this? Like, why is this? I like almost feel, especially in FinTech, health tech as well, but Mm. especially in FinTech. um, Why, like, how is this different from all the other companies? Is it different if it's not, it might not be worth going to. Well, in the world you live in with SaaS, like with software as a service, like Mm -hmm. if there's a, a dozen other companies that offer the same service, like, yeah. You know, and every comp you're the market out there of companies that can use that service, they're only going to use one. Why are they going to use mm-hmm. you over the other 12 companies? Um, so yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, and also just knowing, um, a little bit about the different kinds of um markets, basically, you know, SaaS is generally going to be more profitable um by nature than i don't know like a d to c brand or something like that because they don't have to like produce actual physical things <laughs> yeah no that's a good point their, yeah. their overhead is like you can't run out of SaaS. you can't run out of like yeah. software um, and also once you have the software built you're just building on top of it you don't have to make more of it every time or something like that so understanding um yeah understanding the market all 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 of that is pretty important if you're 
really valuing equity. Yeah. And then the other thing that's really, 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 really important. And I think is this is something that a lot of people get wrong and is, I would say the most important thing that you can learn about the leadership is why are you the right people to do this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So after market, after the idea, leadership is huge. This is, I mean, this is huge for going to a company generally. So besides if we're looking at equity, maybe we're not looking at equity either way, knowing asking about the leadership is like extremely important. Yeah. Like what, what to you is a good indicator that like the founders are the right people to be building what they're Mm. building. Mm, interesting okay um okay uh a few things i guess and it sort of is different for different situations but um first of all why are they trying to tackle this problem you know like you said why them like who are these people are these people that just we're like, actually, I see that there's a market for one click checkout. Let me quickly found a company. And that's what I'm passionate about now. Um, are they, oh, do you feel like they like value humans? I think <laughs> is sort of a good one. Um, well, that's interesting. Like not just humans, but like the humans that are going to be your customers. Mm-hmm. Like, do they care about the customers? Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's interesting. I worked at a company one time where like our market were people who were on social media and yet the CEO and the CTO were constantly like talking shit about social media mm-hmm. users. Yeah, that's not going to work. It didn't. <laughs> you can't be looking down on your customer. That's a good point. Absolutely not. That empathy is Absolutely important. not. Um... How much experience do they have? You know, and that's not always important. But if not, do they have people on their side with experience? Maybe what's the advisor board? Yeah. Who's who's helping them out there? Anything like that? I always ask this the leaders, who do you learn from? Like, I think one thing that you when you look at scammers, when you look at like <laughs> Elizabeth Holmes yeah. and Adelvi, and you ask them like, "Who do you learn from?" This I don't need to learn from anybody. I know everything I need to know. Yeah, we don't like that attitude. No, mm-hmm. but I also do want to talk about non-founding leadership. Oh yeah, because like this isn't necessarily a startup podcast, right? Like, if we're talking about who. You're like if you're in tech, your leadership, your direct leadership isn't necessarily the founders. So I just do want to point that out and maybe speak on that a little bit. Um, and maybe that goes back to sort of generally what questions you ask about culture, but especially in terms of like, say you're just talking to your whoever's going to be your next manager, whether that is the founder, right, or a regular manager in big tech yeah like what is the philosophy behind hiring and building middle management layers are they supported who are the leaders like where do they come from i think that's another thing like to think about when you look at bigger companies is like what are the actually 
one thing that I think everybody should ask in the interview is, what does your career ladder look like? Because every company has a career ladder where they define what each of the roles are and how somebody moves from one level to the next. And so if you look at the career ladder, you'll actually, it's usually a document. You ask them to share it with you. It'll, it'll show you like, what are their expectations for a manager? What are their expectations for a tech lead? What are their expectations for a senior staff, principal, all these different levels. So you understand like, what do they value when it comes to management and what is like, how is your manager going to be measured in their role as well as of course, how are you going to be measured in your role? Yeah. Especially, okay, so if you, I mean, yes, very important, but also in terms of your leadership, you should be able to talk to your man, like the the person who will be your manager before you actually take the job. Oh, totally. Also, extremely important. You know, that's the classic. People don't um, leave jobs, they leave managers, right? So... Do you vibe with your manager? Do they seem like they're full of shit? <laughs> Anything like that. This is yeah. what kills me about like the big, big companies. Because a lot of them you interview and you get like an offer and you accept your offer and then they place you on a team. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wait, so you accepted an offer, but you don't even know who you're working with or for? Like, I don't know. that. A lot of times you don't even, you don't necessarily me. know what you're you'll be doing terrifying you get accepted and i don't know you don't necessarily have to accept the offer Mm. quite yet but you you then are looking at different teams trying to figure out which team would be a good fit which can be an entire like the culture is entirely different on each team basically Mm. that's I don't know. That scares me. I, I need to grill the heck out of my manager, and but that's that's just me. Uh, well, you can, you can. Oh, you get that opportunity. I mean, you can too? say I'm not going to. Yeah, oh. you can say I'm not. Yeah, absolutely. I thought they like just like, <laughs> like a week before you join, they tell you who you're working for or something. No, no, no. What, no. what does that look so what does that look like like so, so i get an offer from uh in a shmamazon or a shmacebook or shmicrosoft <laughs> then like how does the team matching process work um yeah so usually the recruiter will bring a few teams that you're a good fit for right and again it's based on you know back end front end and then technologies um usually it's it's still this thing like technologies that you're familiar with which is sort of a bummer in terms of if if you want to learn but um and then the process goes to okay out of these teams which ones do you want to talk to um and then you talk to the hiring manager sometimes you can talk to some people on the team uh depending on if this is after the interview process or during it because sometimes it is during it Mm. Um, you can talk to other people on the team as well. Oh my gosh, wait, I have to tell you this. So when I was working at the big company I was working for, and I was obsessed with this division. I was like, so obsessed with it. Like the product or like? Yeah, the product. Well, the product, 
it was just like something that I generally love, like generally. Cool. We like and passion. so I <laughs> so I was interviewing um, with like this division and I was like, okay, why do you like working on this team? Like, what is it about this team opposed to all the other teams? And he goes, it's a job. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, it's a job. It's fine. You know, it's fine. It's okay. It was like, oh, he hates this job. He hates it. He, he aggressively hates it. And you know what? Here's some here. Like, okay. For big companies, what does your on call look like? Okay. Are you, how is your work life balance? Um, what is the team culture? Cause they'll tell you, especially at these big companies. And there's no reason for you to have a bad work life balance at one of these big companies. There's no reason for it. There's no reason at any company for you to have a bad work-life balance. Yeah, but they're going to say, oh, well, you know, it's this is the, everyone knows this is a culture at these big companies, yada, yada. It, no, no, it's just not true. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. It's just not true. Yeah, I would say also, though, the on-call question, people always forget to ask that. And suddenly... And also, how big is the team? Are you going to be on call once every three weeks, fielding your weekends, like like on your weekends, fielding all of these different um, issues? Yeah, I had this you know? um, at a recent job where I hired somebody, and this is my fault. I'm going to like my bad as a manager. I was hiring a very senior person. And we went through, like it was a rigorous interview process, lots of questions on both sides, and they were super excited to join. And then when they joined, um, about a week in, they pulled me aside and were like, "Hey, um, I didn't realize I was going to have to be on call." And so what that meant was that like once every month and a half for a week, if the site went down or something bad happened, they would get pinged at any hour of the night. Um, and they just like did not realize that that was a thing. I didn't set that expectation. I just, I guess I assumed because of how senior they were that they knew. So yeah, like definitely ask about that because you don't want to be surprised with something like an on-call oh, rotation. Oh gosh, no. Yeah. And it's the, I just, I just think it's the worst when there's a really bad on-call, like on, like, cause teams, some teams just have really bad on-calls and some teams don't. And then if it's a small team, so it's literally... You know, you can't make weekend plans like every third weekend or something. Awful. <laughs> or you have to like I'm take your saying. laptop with you. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. You have to have a um, personal hotspot with you wherever <laughs> you go. You have to have your computer with you. Oh, geez. You have to pull over on the side of the road <laughs> if something happens. That's how ha- I've been on teams where that has happened. Oh, Luckily, that. not to me. You know what I did yeah. when I was. I I hosted um, game nights on the weekends with my team members. Oh. So if I got paged, I could ask them to help me. That is 
really <laughs> fucking manipulative and i love that that is so shady oh my god <laughs> well i told them i was always like so you know I'm on call. We're going to have a good time. <laughs> like, who wants to play Secret Hitler or whatever the fuck? By the way, I just want to point out that Secret Hitler is a board game that is very fun <laughs> for anybody who's like, wait, play what? <laughs> I love that yeah, game. Yeah, it's a board game. It's a board game. Um, who wants to play code names? I don't like code names like that. I love code names. As much. Everyone loves code names. Every, you know I'm a Everyone slot. loves code names. There's so much silence in code names while someone's thinking i mean <laughs> that's such a weird complaint there's too much silence in this what? game we're playing a game and we're all sitting in silence i just it's like it's silence but there's vibe. giggling at least i don't know i like word games you know it's so weird vibe. um so okay my first on call where i got paged was a Saturday night at 3 a.m. after I was getting drunk with my coworkers. Dude. And I was still drunk and I was asleep and I answered oh and I answered the phone but I was still asleep and I was like, uh, what, don't you know what time it is? <laughs> what, I'll, I'll call you in the morning and I hang up. I look at Slack the next day and like, I was the most hated person in the company. Oh my God. It was bad. They were like, Wait. do you believe he just said? Do you know what time it is? Because these are people who are getting paid to be awake up in the middle of the night to be online. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. What, wait, you have to tell. Okay. What was the size of this company? When was this? Pretty fucking like, big. What? Like, not like, okay. not like Fang size, but I think there might have been probably like five to 7,000 employees. Um, this was an e yeah. site that needs got to it, be got up 24 7 because they sell things across the world. Yeah, got it, got it, got it, got uh, it. Yeah. It was. Oof. It wasn't Oof. like a code red situation, mm-hmm. but it was like, hey, these servers that you own are throwing errors and yeah. it's making the site, like part of the site, not like a, an important part, but like some part of the site not load. Um, like people can still buy things, but like. They're not seeing. I, w- I was owning a recommendation service, so they weren't seeing like personalization, which drives a lot of revenue. Um, and the, the 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 thing is, at the time, I was. This is why side hustles can be kind of dangerous. I was. I had a couple of side hustles, like teaching, where I owned some servers as well, and where things were not nearly as important. When they called me, they didn't say, "Hey, this is so and so from name at company." It's just, "Hey." The servers you own are throwing errors. And again, I'm drunk. I'm asleep. It's 3 a.m. I literally thought that it was like one of my side hustles for some reason, which makes no sense. Right. But again, I was I had drank a lot of whiskey. Um, And so, (laughs) yeah, you shouldn't really drink like that if you're on. call. but that's not really the I just want to clarify, though, that like at the time I had a really shitty boss. And again, this is something I should have known. Uh, going into it there was no on-call rotation he put me on call 24 7 wait what i was on call every day of the year were there other people on your team yes that doesn't make any sense well that's that's okay that's why you asked yep what's on call like yep that's why (laughs) that's an important question y'all yeah yeah but uh um okay anyway so on call is tough it sucks so sorry go (laughs) 
going back to um okay what to screen for so with company leaders um i think that's basically also a question of company culture um work environment all of that oh my god what company culture it's funny because at big companies when you ask about their culture they'll give you like these are our 10 values yeah that's that doesn't matter if you're at a if you're interviewing for a big company you have to ask you have to talk to the individual teams it does not whatever the recruiter tells you they don't even interact with the other engineers i mean the other the engineers yeah they interact with the hiring managers they don't they don't know the realities of the situation well, so now you're at a small startup. Yeah. How did you drill into How the culture I of screen? Yeah. Well, like I said, I think first of all, you have to know what's important to you. Um, and I think what's imp- diversity isn't the only thing that's important to me, but it is the thing that companies do regularly do a bad job at. Mm-hmm. And so that's a question I asked for first because that has the most probability of screening out companies, right? So, yeah, I asked, um, I don't remember the exact question. It wasn't, it wasn't something like, how many black women do you have on your team? Like most of them would be like zero, but <laughs> um, <laughs> it was like, what, it, what do you do to promote diversity and inclusion um, like in your company, something, something along those lines. And so it's sort of how they talk about it. Um, you bring up psychological safety. Do they know what psychological safety is or do, are they like, actually we have a mental health stipend and it's like, okay, that's not what that is. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Like we traumatize so, you, but don't worry we'll pay for you to see someone about it. <laughs> yeah, like the, if they don't know the terminology, you know, like psychological safety in the workplace is basically saying, do people feel safe to be themselves? Um, do they feel safe to ask questions? Yada, 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 yada. Um, so if they don't even, if they don't know the term, that may be a red flag. Um, so besides that, typical work-life balance questions. I feel like startups really use the excuse of being a startup to say, well, you can't expect to have work-life balance. We're a startup. We move fast. We're up 24-7. And I'm like, once again, I'm like, (laughs) I don't know. I'm still on this thing of I'm not a founder. I don't need to be doing that. Even founders don't like that's not sustainable. Like, how long do you want this company to last? Like, if you want it to last for the next 10 plus years, you probably need to sleep every now and then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. What about you? What are some of... Um, well, so with the diversity, like, I mean, something that I look out for, I know one of the companies I interviewed with, I, I, I again, I screen with a lot of questions about diversity. How do you build an inclusive environment? And what does that mean to you? Because inclusive environments mean environments where everybody feels again free to be themselves like safe to share um thoughts and ideas um you know people feel like they can just be themselves at work which um i mean it's simple things like you know 
like something I've experienced. Like if you're genderqueer, like are you comfortable being open about that? Are you mm-hmm. comfortable with sharing your pronouns with your coworkers and things like that? Like if people don't feel like they can be themselves at work, they're not going to want to be at work. They're going to like be mm-hmm. racing to get home where they can like let their hair down, so to say, and like just be the person that they are. Um, it doesn't, you know, obviously it is still work. Like, so it doesn't, I don't know. I think it's, I just think it's important that people feel comfortable just showing up how they want to show up. It's, it's a, it's the most basic thing. It's the most basic form of respect is just letting someone just exist in your space. Um, but you know, how do you support your employees, um, when terrible things happen, you know, when, oh yeah when they're, you know, there was a shooting at a synagogue um, not that long ago. There's shooting in black communities. There's a shooting in an Asian community. There are people on your team who are going to come into work and be like, oh, yeah, that's terrible and get back to work. But then there are going to be people mm-hmm. who are like, I can't. This personally affected this me. This personally affects me to a point where like, I can't work right now. I'm not going to be yeah. my best. I'm not going to be able to give you what you need. I need to heal. How do you support that? Um, but, you know, and, and again, words are words action is more important um Mm -hmm. i spoke with a company about these topics and they were telling me how important you know building a diverse workplace is to them and then i interviewed with seven white men Mm -hmm. one of whom made some problematic jokes yeah and it's like all right i don't care what you said i saw what i saw um and well that's important mm -hmm. Um, I mean, also, while you're going through the interview, like, and this is all like, if culture is important to you, right? Some people, it's not important. Um, but do they have a cultural interview? Yeah. If Especially like as an IC, you know, a lot of these companies don't, or it's like a fake one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or it's just fake to make sure that you aren't like an active Nazi. <laughs> you're not actively a nazi no i think yeah. you know something that's really interesting that, that you just remind me of that I, I say a lot is when a company's interviewing you the way they interview you is something that you have to pay attention to because that's the way that they interview everyone mm-hmm. and so that means that the people who you're working with you know if they aren't like if they're not talking about cultural values with you, that means that they're not screening other people for cultural values. So you can be sitting next to somebody who's a great engineer, great at sales, great at whatever their job is, but is a total piece of shit as a human being. Yes, absolutely. That's a classic. I love that. The uh, what do we call that's them? a classic? Brilliant assholes that's, or whatever. Brilliant jerks. I mean, yeah, that's a classic, and that's especially at these big tech companies. That's 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 very much a classic. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a classic everywhere, but yeah, I think for yeah, small companies. See, this is where it gets mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, <laughs> at a small company, like when it's just like less than ten people. Uh, you're all going to get really cozy. And so it's really hard to get to know each other in a way in the interview process. Um, that is like going to tell you everything you need to know. Um, I Okay, I haven't told you this. This is a good one. So long time ago, I was trying to leave a large company and go and have my first like real startup experience. I mean, I had some startup experiences, but I want like a real like 
me and the founders type experience, you know? And so this company find the, this guy finds me on um, LinkedIn. He messages me. We meet for coffee. He tells me about this thing that they're doing where they've already launched it. And it's a really cool gig economy type thing. I'd never heard of it before. He sells me on why he's the right person to like all the things that we've talked about here. Um, he's a person of color. Uh, he's an immigrant. You know, like there's other people on the team, like on the founding team that are, you know, I think I don't think there was any other like white men on the founding team. So that I was like, all right, all these boxes are checked. We're like, this is somebody who is the right person to do this. He cares about a lot of things I care about. He seems very smart. Um, and I was like ready to go. This was to the point where like we'd had multiple meetings. He gave me access to the code base. Um, I was pretty much ready to sign on the dotted line, take a massive pay cut, get a ton of equity, um, do this thing. But I said to him like, before we do this, like I just want one more meeting where it's me, you, and the rest of the team just to get to know each other, just to see how we would all vibe. This is where it all goes wrong. <laughs> so he goes, all right, let's meet. And by the way, when I say this, I'm thinking like maybe we like go get go to Sweetgreen, get some salads for lunch, just you know, mm-hmm. chat. No, he's like, let's meet at this um, beer garden. It's right near my house. It's like, okay. We're gonna do the we're gonna do the startup thing with the dr- drinking and mm-hmm. stuff. I'm not the drinking, not that big of a drinker, but I was like, all right, sure, fine. So we go and we're drinking, and I get there, and it's just him and his wife. Now I'm like, also like, all right, cool, your wife's here. I don't know why your wife is here, um, but she's a very nice lady. And we're drinking, and we're chatting, and we're playing giant Jenga. And I'm like, so where's the rest of the team, right? There's like two or three other founders that I wanted to meet. You know, oh, they're coming, they're mm-hmm. coming, they're coming. Okay. Um, he just is pounding beer, and he keeps telling me, "Hey, you want another one? You want another one?" I'm like, I'm on an interview, bro. I had like one and a half drinks, I think, yeah. one and a half beers. He's like six deep, and we get to the point where, like, on his first turn at Jenga, he just knocks the whole thing over. And I'm like, oh, this is. This is not. Is this in Boston? This is in Boston. Like, this is not feeling good. Is this in um, Cambridge? No, it was Assembly Row, the beer garden there, which is actually relevant to the next part of the story. So Mm -hmm. then one of the other guys shows up. He introduces me to him and I'm like, oh, hey, nice to meet you. And we just start talking about our background and stuff. And the guy's wife is very eager to get him out of this public situation. So, yeah, I can see his apartment from where we're standing. Like it's mm-hmm. it's one of those things where it's like a it's like a shopping area but with apartments. He connected. lived in one of those. I was as someone who like frequented Assembly Row as sort of a like a teen. <laughs> I always wondered who lived in the mall. Like I just right? felt like that was so fun so, to live in a mall. Oh, I think I would think it would be terrible. Um, oh, I would. Well, I was a teen. Okay, mall culture sure, was still sure, a sure, thing. Sure, anyway, sure. no, that makes sense. That makes sense. Now that I'm old and I'm like, bah, I want my quiet. Um, no, it seems awful, <laughs> but yeah. So he's like, let's go back to my place. I'm like, okay, yeah, let's go walk the like half mile to your place. Mm-hmm. And he's like, here it is. I was like, here's what? An Escalade <laughs> pulls up. He used Uber Black <gasps> to get an Escalade to drive us a half mile to his place. No. And I'm like, are you trying to show off or something? Because this is not what I the behavior I want to see from the CEO no, of a company no. that has no money. 
right? That's going to hire me and pay me very little, right? Like, mm-hmm. again, you want to, um, if you're looking at a small company, you want your company to be conserving money, not blowing mm-hmm. money fast. Yeah. So yeah. we get to his place and literally like this, to set the scene, he's putting on loud music. I'm talking to this other founder, like about the algorithm, about the, about mm-hmm. the, the technology. Like I'm trying to suss this thing out. He is like having the time of his life. And then he pulls out a tube of tinfoil and he's like, hit this. I'm like, what is that? He like made a pipe out of tinfoil and shoved wheat, like some dirt weed in it. And I was like, now, I mean, this was what? younger me. I would was like, I would have been like, yeah, sure. I'll weed. Not in an interview and not out of a piece of fucking tinfoil. So yeah, I was just like, is, this is insane. I was like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm good, man. I don't like to mix um, smoking and drinking. Right. It was like, just mm-hmm, to, mm-hmm. I'm good, but, but you go ahead. Right. And I'm starting to think like, oh, I don't, I don't know how I feel about this guy. So I'm again, I'm, I go back, I'm deep in conversation with this other dude and I look over and a lot of things happen all at once. <laughs> he's, he like passes out with like he's sitting on the couch next to his wife. He passes out with his head on her shoulder. She like jostles him awake. He jumps up and goes, oh, and then just projectile vomits all over her. Oh my gosh. No. I grab my jacket and I like, I was out that I was just, I do not do puke. I was out the door so fucking fast. And I was like, uh, and she's like apologizing, like the you know, and I'm like, oh I'm gonna gosh. leave. Good luck, gnarly, gnarly. Oh I get down to the front door with the uh, like of the building with the the mm-hmm. the founder. I hop in an Uber, the other founder, not the one that hurled yeah. the room. And he's like, he's so embarrassed, he's mortified. He's like, I, I really enjoyed getting to know you. Hopefully, yeah, yeah he knew where this was going. <laughs> yeah. I get in the car, I go home. The next day, I like this is all that I ever heard from them. The next day they cut off my access to the GitHub account. <laughs> yeah. I guess they were yeah. just like, mm, we're just gonna yeah. make this like it was so weird because I don't know. So that I just wanna say like I have a million embarrassing stories of leadership getting drunk at companies that I worked at. Thank God this happened before I worked there. Yes, absolutely. Like I think it's important to ask questions mm -hmm. and be like, do y'all have fun? Do y'all party? Mm -hmm. And then when they're like, oh, yeah, the CEO gets wild and drinks a ton. That's probably a good sign that it might not be the best fit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're going to do something stupid. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, absolutely true. Okay, two things. One, um, for anybody, I don't know, this is more of a founder thing or a company culture thing, but generally food and drink especially drinking tends to be uninclusive there's a lot of people that don't drink just want to put that out there i actually do drink but i've been on teams where people were felt very excluded because you know they're going to bars we're all going to bars all the time Mm -hmm. you know or beer beer gardens were very big and people just felt like very uncomfortable um and then also startup thing 
everyone wants to be at the fun startup, right? We rent out an island for team events. We all have our own cabanas. Um, we all got matching, you know, juicy track suits. <laughs> oh my God, wait, wait, hold up. I want a juicy tracks. <laughs> <laughs> With our names, um, like, dazzled on the butt. Them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but dazzled. Yeah. Okay, but just remember that they're not spending their money wisely if they're doing that. I mean, sounds fun, sounds great. If they're gonna pay you a shit ton, okay. But if they're not and they're giving you equity, maybe you think on it for a moment. Yeah. That's it. No, that's, that's all. I mean, look, if that if your company can easily afford to do that and pay you well, and when, you know, scotus leaks a draft of them trying to threaten women's reproductive health they're also giving money to like to charities that impact the well-being of their employees and then they want to buy you matching butt dazzled juicy track suits yeah fine you work at like the one company on earth that has that kind of money like yeah but yeah i think um burn rate is really important how much money are you burning and if you're just like tossing money out on like drinking and partying and stuff like that's not pay me enough so i can have my own parties with my own friends my coworkers are not my friends like they might be like i might hang out with them and drink with them outside of work that's another story but like my point is like i don't want a calendar invite to watch you burn a ton of cash up in a f- in flames and then the next week when i'm like i need to hire two more engineers so that we can get this yeah. shit done they're like ah, i need the business like you know obviously i need a business justification but like they're gonna just like put you through the ringer when it's like you just blew two engineers worth salary like a yearly salary for two engineers on a party just so you could have top label on a fucking boat yeah and this um, is this is like very very common too stupid common. like it seems obvious but it's very common um i mean i could list a bunch of places but most most notably is like we work oh yeah um like and i'm just i don't know i yeah <laughs> in that whatever they had a whole camp thing right yeah they had like a whole yeah. they would have these parties with these djs and it was yeah they burned a ton of money fast was burning millions of dollars uh, yeah, but we don't know actually where that was going. No, yeah, like, thing. yeah, the chain smokers, da da da. But like, I use WeWork because it was a very public example of being like, we're throwing parties. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, okay. But I do want to get to um, sort of my last priority, which is like, what are you gaining? What are you looking for? in your job what are you gaining what do you like as an engineer to improve your job like hopefully when you take a job it's leading you to bigger and better things yeah or not yeah that's a good point some people are at that point where they're like i'm at a terminal level and when we say terminal levels what that means is like i'm at a level in my career that i don't need to move up at all i can stay at the same company at the same level forever or go to another company and be at the same level and just be like happy. Um, the framework that I use is I, I write this down. I write down, 
um, like a bar. And on that bar, I have 50%. I, I, I draw, cut it in half. And the top 50% is things that I can confidently do, things that I know how to do, things that are like, I have built these skills in my career. Am I going to be using them? Like, what skills am I going to be using that I know? Um, because I know from like a lot of people, if you spend a lot of time building certain skills, you want to make sure that you can continue using them. Then the bottom half of that, I cut in half again. So then the next 25% is things that like I'm interested in. I have some exposure to. I Maybe I started growing on these things in my last job. One example for like a lot of individual contributors is like project management. Maybe I'm really good at writing code and, and doing the tasks that are given to me, but I, you know, I'm starting to learn how to get better at managing projects myself. And then the bottom 25% is like, I have no fucking clue if I can do this. So like, you know, maybe it's technologies that you have to learn, or maybe you're historically like a backend engineer, but they want you to be full stack. Um, or I don't know, maybe you've never had to manage your own infrastructure. Maybe it's involving management, things that you're like actually kind of like scared about. And if that's where the growth happens, like you need to throw yourself into a role that you're, you're not a role, but you need to throw yourself into some, some portion of a role that you're not prepared for at all. And that's how you learn, right? You learn things on the job. And of course you need to make sure you have good mentorship. And so I, I in my coaching, I kind of draw out this framework and I say, fill out for each position that you're talking to, what skills, what opportunities, what goes into each of those categories. And that's how you can really evaluate, am I going to be delivering value to the company and using the skills that I know to earn my paycheck? And then am I going to be growing on things that like, you know, continuing the growth that I've been working on, but also is there like, are there stretch goals here? Things that like, that make it worth going to a whole brand new job. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's also, how do you want to grow? Right. So we're talking engineers in terms of, do you want to be learning new technologies? Do you want to, as you said, be transitioning from back into full stack or do you want to know how to build a business? Right. Like, is there mentorship for that? Are you going to learn that? You know, what rooms are you going to be in? Especially if you're going to a startup, um, what kind of access are you going to have to information that you otherwise wouldn't be privy to at a bigger company? Um, or if you are at a bigger company, a lot of things that the kind of work people like to do there is like very detailed, um, specific work on one like small thing, you know, how to make an API this many milliseconds faster or something like that. Um, so yeah, just sort of know, know what you want. Yeah. Know what you want to gain from your work and make sure you ask those questions too. Um, yeah. Yeah. And with always just have people to talk through the process with, you know, um, identify people that you work with or people you've worked with in the past or people in your life who you can kind of bounce these things off of when you're looking for a new job. But I just think it's very important that we um, we have a responsibility to spend our time as engineers and people in the tech industry on companies that are worth spending time on. And so, if you know, 
feel empowered to grill the company and, and take your time picking a company that's going to treat you like a human being and the companies that aren't, they don't deserve to hire people. <laughs> so to hire anyone, anyone. So just don't do that. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, also just know your worth, especially as a tech employee. You're, you're very much needed. You can afford to be picky. I have an ending question. Let's do it. Okay. So this, this I wrote before the first episode. This is for um, interviewing in general. So it's um, how do we actually create an interview process that screens for Ooh. a good... I have a good engineer because I'm an engineer, but if you want to do a manager whatever you'd like to do. Ooh. What's your interview process? Interesting. Quick. Doesn't need to be, you know, but. I think first off, like there's three different types of management. There's managing the people that report to you. There's um, sideways man- or lateral management. So managing your peers. And then there's upwards management. So managing mm-hmm. the people above you. And so I think a lot of these are conversational things. So like, tell me about a time when and how would you handle um, type mm-hmm. of things. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I think the people who deliver those questions should be in those roles. So I think you should always have people who are being managed by this person interviewing them, their peers interviewing them and leadership interviewing them. And I think everyone should walk out of, um, they should be able to c- formulate questions um, or cases or scenarios, however you want to do it. The goal is that they should walk the people, the interviewers should walk out of that session thinking, I will learn something from this person. So that means they're not only the people that this person is directly managing and coaching that they're, I mean, they have to learn from this person, um, but the, their peers need to say, oh, this adds something like I will be able to go to them when I need help and vice versa. And lastly, leadership will say this person's bringing something to the company, bringing something to me that is a superpower that I don't have. And so I will learn something from them. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's, it's not yeah. very tactical, but like that's, that's at least the, the that's scoring. That's the gist of it. That's the scoring. And then you back into what gives you that mm-hmm. based on the business that we're running. What can give you that like, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, that output. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think for me, if I, if we're talking about the scoring and whatnot right so i mean when it comes to engineering it does come down a lot of it does come down to experience right what kind of experience do you have not necessarily technologies but just generally how do you deal with situations that arise um how do you learn Mm. i think that's the bigger thing to suss out than what technologies do you already know um i mean depending on what position your company is in but how are you able to learn um, are you used to picking up new things, right? Do you, are you interested in learning? Because some people just are not, you know, they know what they know and that's fine. Um, and then how are you with, I mean, I would, I would 100% screen for company culture, right? How are you with, um, other engineers how are you mentor if you're interested like if you are hiring a senior level engineer or 
maybe even a like if you're a startup and you're hiring your first engineer what like they have to be good at mentoring other engineers because that will be their position so they cannot just be technical they also have to be personable um because this is your lead um this is where the who the other engineers go to if they feel like they can't go to that person you're going to have a broken team and the software isn't going to be delivered correctly or isn't you know the code isn't going to be well done um and then you know comes other technical stuff i mean i think architect i really like architectural interviews um and getting to know how would you solve this problem okay you've solved it this way this problem arises from the way you've solved it what do you do yeah i think that's that's a really good point so then what do you think let me ask you this though i think there are there are like three different ways that i've seen that people can actually gauge a software like how a software engineer works Mm -hmm. one is leak coding which doesn't work as -hmm. we know Number two is a take home, which mm-hmm. has a lot of issues in and of itself. Um, and number three is actually having you do live coding. Mm-hmm. What do you think is like, or, and then there's obviously there are other out of the box or outside of the box solutions. How do you think, how do you want a company to determine not only how good you are at doing your job of writing code, but like how how it is to, to work with you, like for other engineers, how it is to collaborate with yeah, you. Yeah, so absolutely leak code is immediately out. Yeah, um, first even. of all, it's <laughs> it's completely like... It's bullshit. Well, it's also just inequitable. Yeah. It just is. It just really, really is for, for many, many reasons. And there's studies proving it and um, don't, you know, when you write your five-star reviews, don't come arguing with me about this it just that's it you do your own research (laughs) um anyway so then in terms of take home versus in person like um either way i think it's important to be able to have a discussion with that person about what they've created so if it's take home first of all i wouldn't say oh you know this is a three-hour take home that's ridiculous um people have lives people are also probably working um people may have fan like it's we're not doing this long take home thing um so maybe you know half an hour to 45 minutes say here's a problem um if you know here's some deliverables that we'd like that can be done in this amount of time. We'll talk about it in, you know, the hour the hour long session we have. Or I think it, I think give people the choice. Yeah. Give people the choice or you can do it on the spot. Some people like that. Either way, you'll be able to then ask questions about it and suss out how they think. So what would you think about an interview then where you have like basically two hours where you're just like live, you're coding with like two hours is too long. Yeah. Two hours is too long. Like an hour, maybe like an hour hour. and then like a half an hour of like code review or something like that. I don't know. 
It still does so long, yeah. but yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is An a big hour. decision to make, right? When you're hiring. Yeah. Well, hopefully, you have more than just the one um, interview. But yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. The one one other thing I just want to comment on before we drop off is like you mentioned about like culture interviews, and I will say that something that's really important for people to keep in mind when they start interviewing is that the word culture is very loaded. Um, and in fact, a lot of companies are moving away from using that word culture um, after like there was lawsuits with Google where people would like say like, oh, do they have Googliness, right? Which basically was a coded way of saying like, do they fit into our biases? Mm-hmm. Um, for example, if your company culture is we're a bunch of young people um, and that impacts what our company culture is, then you will, whether you realize it or not, be turning down you'll be ageist and you'll be turning down people who are older, who mm-hmm. have kids because they don't yeah. fit into what your idea of the culture is or should be. Um, so I think it's good to lean on what those values are like, and to like list them out, but to also be really clear about like, when you say someone's not a good culture fit, just know that you really should be questioning what makes you feel that way. And um, is that an area where you're being unconsciously biased? I'd like to, mm-hmm. I like to think that most people don't want to be biased in their hiring processes but we all have to constantly be learning thanks for listening to us talk about interviewing and stuff hopefully this was helpful or entertaining or not a terrible waste of your time or you're using this podcast put you to sleep to list, yeah to go to sleep exactly <laughs> and you know if so sweet dreams <laughs> <laughs> good night may i be blunt with you If you'd like to write in with any questions you'd like to have answered, topics you'd like covered, or other general nonsense, send Rami and I an email at IWouldNeverKnowPod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Are we doing this again? Oh, we're going to do this again. Are you sure? Oh, and then we're going to do it again and 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 again